Welcome back to the Dead Arm Sports Podcast. It's your boys Josh and Jell here to bring what it do? some not much Jell. Glad to see uh, you are on the other end of the Zoom call here. Have a big show for you today. Going to talk some NFL news, a little college basketball action that happened over the weekend uh, off of the court. We'll focus on that and then get into technically a on the court, of, but uh, technically on the court. Yeah, <laughs> post game, uh, <laughs> post game little scuttlebug. Yes, then uh, round out the episode today, recapping the Genesis Open. Going to debut a new segment right now, Jell. It's going to be the question of the day, and today's question is, you are on a desert island and can only bring three candies with you. It's an unlimited amount of them, but you can. those are the only three candies you'll have for the rest of your life. What are those three candies you're bringing to the desert island? So if I go like okay, well Snickers is is immediately the number one. That's that's the best candy out there, <laughs> in my opinion. And would be good to have the protein from the peanuts. So that's that's always that's a plus if I'm trying to survive on out on a desert island <laughs> or deserted island. Um, <clears throat> from there, I guy I I I love me a good Reese's cup. Okay. I definitely prefer the cups over pieces. Yeah. I don't know if you feel the same way. My favorite is, and it's in stores right now, is the Reese's Egg during Easter. For nice. some reason, it's got a good combination of chocolate to peanut butter. I think I maybe, know, it's, maybe it's maybe it's got ratio. the. Uh, I, I know what you mean. It's it. Maybe it's just the smoothness of the egg shape Could be. instead of like the ridges of the cup. Could be that, or maybe it's just maybe a little extra chocolate or something. I don't know, but I know exactly <laughs> what you mean because it's awesome. Have you had one of the pretzel ones? No, like the I Reese's not. with pretzels. I haven't either, and I've always I love dipping my I love dipping pretzels in peanut butter. Yeah, that's so I'd imagine if you comedy. add chocolate into that uh, into that mix, that's gonna be a money. Uh, that's gonna be a winner. But. Uh, I, I think I'm gonna go Reese's Cup number two, and then I think I want something sweet, some or something like super sweet, like fruity, kind of like. And immediately when I think of that type of flavor, I think of an I think of nerds. Okay. Like those right. those mini. I love doing you know when you got the fun size little mini boxes of nerds, and you can just dump the whole thing in your mouth and just have like a freaking just like sugar explosion happening <laughs> in your mouth. <laughs> You don't eat them one at a time. <laughs> that would take years. <laughs> so just just go for the go for the mouthful and get your sugar explosion. You start drooling. That's uh, so that's that's probably my three. I, I don't know if I necessarily consider nerds as like my third favorite candy, but I would think I'd want something nice, kind of fruity, like that. Um, the other one that I would definitely put into consideration: Jolly Ranchers. Mm. However, would I have to just pick one flavor? Could I have a variety pack? I mean, if you like the variety pack, all right, that makes it a little more intriguing for sure. But I'd say probably Snickers is my all-time favorite. Reese's Cups are right there, and then and then for my for my sugary uh, fruity delight, it's gonna be it's gonna be Nerds. My number one pick probably isn't the best one for a deserted island. Because it's Sour Patch Kids, so I hope I have a lot of water. Oh, I didn't even think about so, Sour Patch Kids. All right, I switched to that instead of Nerds. Nerds, okay. That is my all-time <laughs> is... favorite candy. I am more of a fruit-flavored candy person as opposed to chocolate, so Sour Patch Kids are a must. That is by far my favorite go-to candy. going to follow that up with some Skittles action. I love Skittles. doesn't right. really matter what the flavor is with those. Absolutely love Skittles. Then I gotta throw in some sort of chocolate too, just to switch it up. I can't have three fruit flavored candies. I just think that'd be a little repetitive. So something to switch it up every once in a while. Snickers is a classic, but I'm gonna go with something a little bit more under the radar and go with the hundred grand bar. For some reason, those I just huh. absolutely love those. It's got the little caramel action in it, and I don't know. I just think it's underrated. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely flies a little under the radar, so I'm 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 good with that. I I've uh, I've had my fair share, or I shouldn't say fair share, because I'm not really out there trick or treating anymore. But back no. in the day, uh, <laughs> not going door to door at least. <laughs> but um, back in the day, I you know because what you always see at the stores is you know your top row is always going to be Snickers, M and M's uh payday or not paydays um uh reese's maybe your next row down you'll start seeing that's where you'll see like the almond joys and whatnot uh the paydays for example which payday is just a just a wh- who, who prefers a payday over a snickers why would you rather have the payday yeah unless it's... you really despise chocolate <laughs> right like seems like a waste of a candy bar idea but uh Solid choices. I definitely am gonna get on board with the Sour Patch Kids, though, for sure. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna take out the nerds and go Sour Patch because I could I could go to town on some like one of those one of those like Costco bags. Just oh, go God. to town for days. <laughs> yeah, that would be a stomach ache in the making. For sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no doubt. We can be found at Dead Arm Sports, Twitter, Instagram. Check us out on Facebook, Dead Arm Sports. Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your favorite listening platform. Send us in a screenshot of that review. Get you some sticker swag sent out in the mail. If you want to follow Gel and I on our individual social medias, Gel can be found at DasGel. That's at D-A-S-J-E-L. I can be found at DasJPEC. That's at D-A-S-J-P-E-C. Send us in any questions that you have. We're more than happy to answer them on the show. Otherwise, we can hit you right back if you need something quick, too. Uh, always love having the questions and appreciate those getting written in. Otherwise, Joe, before we get into the news, what are you sipping on today? Go to old-fashioned bush light. boy. <laughs> not too exciting right now. <laughs> no. <laughs> I am actually not drinking alcohol today. I needed a little pick-me-up, so I am drinking a sparkling water that has caffeine in it. So more or All less right. uh, energy drink. So There you go. A little pick-me-up for our uh, second recording we'll do a little bit later on today. So <laughs> there you go. jump back <laughs> on the alcohol train then. But uh, need a little pick-me-up. Long, Fair uh, enough. Long Monday Fair enough. Day. I've been, uh, I was telling you before we started, I slept like absolute garbage last night and, uh, you know, feel like I got about two hours of decent sleep. And, uh, so I'm struggling. I probably could have gone, I probably should have gone that route, honestly, but <laughs> Hey, we're here. We're, we're, re- I'm ready to go. Let's go, baby. Yes. Let's get Absolutely. into it. <laughs> Again, don't have a ton for you today, just more news things that we're going to run through and add in our two cents here and there. Deshaun Watson came out at the end of last week and said two teams that he would be willing to get traded to, Tampa Bay, Minnesota. thought those were two interesting teams for him to go out and say, not huge markets. Um, obviously, Tom Brady retiring in Tampa Bay. Kirk Cousins is currently captaining that minnesota vikings ship up in the twin cities (laughs) captain kirk yes (laughs) but uh no i thought obviously he has to get his legal situation figured out before any trades are going to be happening but what do you think of those two teams i i think i would favor him landing in minnesota more than tampa bay tampa bay again we've touched on it it seems like we're beating the dead horse here but they have a lot of guys that are not currently under contract, and there could be a huge turnover on that team. Deshaun Watson jumping in with Dalvin Cook, Thielen, Jefferson. I mean, Conklin, yeah, that's that's a scary offense if Deshaun goes up there. Well, I also thought that something interesting about Minnesota is that let's say he can't get these, uh, you know, this legal stuff done uh, on time for the season. They do still have Kirk under contract for another year, fully guaranteed. So if Deshaun had to sit out another full season, A, if you're Minnesota, that's going to piss you off if if you're going to trade, you know, because you're going to have to give up a decent amount of assets for to to get Watson. So and you don't want somebody that's been out of football for two seasons now. But if they did have to go that route. You've got Cousins there still, and 
if you're the Texans, would you even trade? Would you if you made that trade? Would you want Cousins back? I mean, I may. I, I mean, maybe for this one year, okay. But I'd rather see another year out of Davis Mills. Yeah. If I'm the Texans, so I don't know. I I I thought that was an interesting fit just because I don't think Cousins is going anywhere, and if Deshaun gets traded there. He could still deal with his court proceedings and and try to fight for his innocence, and the Vikings would still have a serviceable quarterback, uh, as you know, as kind of a, you know, for just the one year fill in. You know, it's it's almost like, it's almost like the opposite of doing the one year rental where the rental's already on your team, <laughs> <laughs> right? And then your long term solution is is uh, dealing with well, unfortunate legal matters. So, uh. And he's because he's going to end up no matter what the I would imagine, no matter how this legal stuff shakes out, he's going to end up with a suspension, whether it, it probably wouldn't be more than eight games. But let's say he gets a four to six game suspension or something, uh, then which maybe, you know, then at least, you know, you've got cousins there, but it would be <laughs> that that offense gets mad nasty if you throw Deshaun in there. Like, all the players that you mentioned, plus, gotta definitely revamp that defense quite a bit. Uh, but yeah. but still, let's say, I mean, let's say Rodgers moves on, that they could just, they could go 6-0 in that division. Oh, They easily. could go, they may go 6-0 in that division with Kirk there. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, unless Fields point. takes some nice steps, but... Um, no, I, I think I, I thought that that was one of the more interesting fits and kind of a, like, it makes more sense if you were to make that type of a move in like, you know, in theory, that makes sense, but you're gonna, but, but then in reality, you know, on paper, like if you're making that move in Madden, that'd be a great strategy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But in reality, like cousins is going to be like, dude. Like now you're already you're you're trading for my replacement. What am I gonna do now? Like and you know feelings get hurt. People's starting quarterbacks have egos and and everything. So I that's kind of an interesting one. They'd probably at that point then have to move off of Cousins if they brought Deshaun in. Even though on paper it wouldn't be the best idea, but you'd probably just have to do it. Yeah, no, I I agree completely. I always wonder what goes through some of these guys' minds, like when Kirk Cousins hears Deshaun Watson come out and be like, "Yeah, I'd like to go to Minnesota." <laughs> Kirk's the quarterback. They're like, "Fuck you, dude!" Like, no, I'm here. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, uh, yeah, no, yeah. well, and it's, I mean, it's it's shoot, Brady got his feelings hurt when the Patriots drafted Jimmy G. Rodgers got his feelings hurt when the Packers took love and they're nowhere near the level that Deshaun Watson is. So like the threat is immediate. Oh, if yeah. you're, if you're going to be cousins, <laughs> like if you were in that situation, did you have any thoughts on Tampa? I mean, I think the idea is that he just steps in and, and jumps straight into obviously Brady's, you know, is just filling in for Brady, but they do have a lot of, it's an old team now at this point. I feel like really that Super Bowl run that was a one and done type of a scenario, be- just because of the age of that team and and injuries. The older you get, the older team you have. Generally, you have to pay more for those players, which means you have less depth. So then, when your older players, these veterans that are in their thirties, get hurt, you don't really have much of a a fallback plan. Yeah, that's what I. I'm torn on it. I think that he would obviously be a nice piece to start building a team around. You can start drafting in some younger guys, but again, you're going to be trading a bunch of high draft picks in order to acquire Deshaun Watson. So you're not really going to be able to build through the draft at least first, second round picks probably for the next couple of years. But Chris Godwin was playing on the franchise tag. We have talked a couple times about all the running backs aren't under contract going into this next year. So. All four of their backs, I'm pretty sure, can walk. Yep. Gronk, his status is up in the air. O.J. Howard's a free agent. Sure, wait, and Gronk has said in the past the only – I think it was when they were thinking about – or when they had, in principle, that deal with the Lions that would have sent Gronk to Detroit. Stupid move by Detroit, by the way. They were going to give up a first-rounder for Gronk. <laughs> 
when he's been he, at that point, he'd come off like four injuries, yeah. like back to back seasons. It was a weird thing. Plus all of his concussion issues. But then he's but he said at that time, the only quarterback I'm ever going to play for is Tom. So I don't I, uh, unless Tom comes back, I don't think he's going to be playing next year. Yeah. So again, there's not much else out there, and if you can get the quarterback locked up, then you just kind of piece together stuff and. At least you have your franchise quarterback for a while. I mean, Deshaun's still young. He's going to have <laughs> quite what a few years. What is he, years mid-20s left, so. right now? Mid, like 27 probably? Yeah, I think so. That's Something around right. there. Somewhere around be. there. So, I mean, you still have a ton of years left for him to build a team around. So, I if he ends up hitting the market, gets his legal stuff, if you are a franchise that needs a quarterback, I don't know why you wouldn't be going after him regardless of what your situation is. But from a Deshaun Watson fantasy aspect – I'd much rather have him in Minnesota than Tampa Bay if those are my my two options. For sure. For sure. I mean, and and really, look at those two divisions. Maybe that's part of his thinking, too, is, wow, if Rodgers leaves, this division is wide open. Or if I go to Tampa, that division is also wide open. I mean, Mm. he's, he's the best quarterback in both those divisions by a country mile. So that may be part of his thinking, too. Yeah. No, that, that very well could be. Former Miami Dolphins, speaking of state of Florida here, former Miami Dolphins head coach Brian Flores over the weekend was hired on to the Steelers defensive staff. He is now a senior defensive assistant. Thought it was an interesting move. Glad to have him on a roster. I mean, obviously he's a fantastic head coach. Kind of got the short end of the stick down in Miami. But interesting with the whole him suing the league gets a coaching position with the NFL right now. So kind of interesting, but glad to at least see that that didn't deter anybody from hiring him at least right now and kind of see where that situation plays out. But I mean, that's a great asset to, for Mike Tomlin to add to his staff. So I I liked it. It's a, it's a it's an absolute money hire. I, I was definitely surprised that he did get a job, but if you look at it, I mean, the Roonies, they're obviously, you know, the owners of the Steelers, they're the ones that have been at the beginning of saying we need we need to get more minorities in this league. And so it doesn't surprise me that it's the Steelers that would be the ones to make this move and, and again, be kind of, uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, continuing the leadership of this movement. So it's a great hire. Tomlin's going to... Him, I could imagine Brian Flores and Tomlin. They have this. They have that similar kind of you know no bullshit attitude, and that's the that's the attitude of kind of the Steelers brand. Is no, we're out here to grind and and play football and play tough, and we're gonna be a bunch of tough sobs and not gonna be easy to deal with. And it, Flores and Tomlin feel like a match made in heaven, and I think this is probably the stepping stone for Flores getting another eventually hopefully getting another head coaching job because he said he's going to keep that lawsuit going too so this isn't going to stop that lawsuit uh which which i find which i think is the right move um because all the stuff that he's you know brought up in the past that's stuff that's happened in the past and it's a good thing that he's not letting it deter his own personal future so I, uh, the only thing, though, then I, I still question, does it hurt his lawsuit in terms of him winning? But it is a class action lawsuit. It's it's revolving the entire it's it's a detailing the entire hiring situation, the entire you know hiring process, not just and he's got his own personal examples but it's not just about him. It's about the entire process as a whole. And, you know, these class action lawsuits are about finding flaws in the system. Not necessarily, he's not suing just for himself. So I, I think this is going to end up, you know, it's, it's a great story for Flores. I'm happy he got a new job. I think it's going to be a great fit in Pittsburgh. And I, I hope that this kind of helps to, uh, you know, vault him into back into that head coaching candidacy when we get into next offseason. Yeah, Flores inherits one of the top defenses in the league, so that'll be exciting. Can we please just get the Steelers a quarterback this offseason? Because I think that literally is all that they're missing. 
And Kevin Colbert, the Steelers GM, came out today and gave uh, Mason Rudolph a vote of confidence, uh, saying, no. quote, quote, if we started a season today, Mason would be our starter, and we're excited to see where that can go. Oh, God damn it, no. <laughs> I think he might be the only one that's excited to see where that can go because I think everybody else knows it's not anywhere promising or good. So. Well, this is his last offseason with the Steelers. He did announce, he did say after the draft he's going to retire, so... Uh, yeah, oh, he might be the only one in that room then <laughs> that thinks that way. Because we saw we saw what they did with Mason out there. The combo, the Mason Duck Hodges combo, not yes. pretty. No, not uh, not ideal. But who knows? Maybe uh, we'll be talking about Deshaun Watson there next year. Highly doubtful, but uh, you never know. You never know. With that quarterback position, uh, Packers. Maybe trying to lure Aaron Rodgers back a little bit. Tom Clements was hired on as their quarterback's coach. He was their quarterback's coach during Rodgers' first few seasons in Green Bay, then transitioned into that offensive coordinator role. So somebody very, very familiar with Aaron Rodgers, somebody that Aaron Rodgers has talked about highly throughout his entire career, that he was one of the foundations to where Aaron Rodgers' success is and where it got to be. So obviously – I'm sure Aaron Rodgers loves the hire, whether or not he's going to be back there next year. But, yeah, I mean, what? <laughs> their offense has been great since Rodgers is there, and this is a coach that can come in now and step in, obviously familiar with the system, familiar with Rodgers' skill set. So I think it's, it's amazing how much the Packers are now just completely catering to Rodgers. Like in the past, they, you know, they fired Alex Van Pelt, his QB coach, uh, without letting him know beforehand. And that really rubbed Rogers the wrong way. He's now the, he's now the OC at, you know, in Cleveland, but beforehand they would never, you know, they cut Jake Kumaro with, and, and that was one of Rogers favorite guys. They would just kind of, they always would do stuff without, you know, consulting him and letting him know. And then after all this, now they're like, okay, we're going to do whatever it takes to get Rodgers back. Because that's kind of what it feels like. I mean, the hiring of Tom Clements uh, and and making it vocal, which normally the Packers kind of, you know, they're like real G's moving silence like lasagna and don't air out this like, you know, their, their news, their intentions very publicly. They kind of had always been in the past just kind of like hey we're gonna do what it takes this just shows me like they're clearly super desperate to get rogers back because jordan love ain't the guy and they they just they must know that he's not it and that they made the mistake of drafting him in the first round and and i think they just they're just they're so desperate to get him back that they're gonna be like yeah we'll 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 bring back your old QB coach that, like you said, Rodgers has said in the past that <clears throat> he was very like instrumental in getting him to develop into the player that he is now. So I'm down with it. Uh, as a Packer fan, if Rodgers does end up dipping out, it's going to be like, you know, kind of a waste of a hire <laughs> almost because they did have to lure him out of lure Tom Clements out of retirement to take this position. If you're Tom Clements, why wouldn't you? I mean, hell, I can go in for a year, make myself an extra million bucks or however, whatever the pay is. Yeah. Why wouldn't you take that? Working with a guy that you've had success with before. And it's not like Rodgers really needs to clean up that much of his game. No. I mean, outside of being <laughs> not at all. being aggressive, more aggressive in playoff games, for sure, and being willing to throw the ball downfield. I'm never, I'm, he's, uh, I hope that Tom Clemens can be like, dude, trust yourself on throwing the ball downfield. If you throw a pick, who gives a shit? Joe Burrow had, threw like eighteen picks this year or something, multiple three interception games, and they made the and they made the Super Bowl. Same thing with Stafford; they won the Super Bowl, and he had multiple three interception games. But they throw the ball downfield; they take those risks. Hopefully, Clemens can say, dude, take these risks. You throw a pick, whatever. I mean, a lot of times, especially on like third downs in the middle of the field, or you know, if you're near ish midfield, you throw a pick. Who cares? That's like a you know, it's basically a punt at that point if you're throwing downfield. So get aggressive. But hopefully Clemens can kind of get him to think that way and be more aggressive because he should be trusting his arm. 
as much as possible, more than most other quarterbacks in the league. And so I guess that's the hope is that he can maybe instill some more of that aggression into him. Because I felt like back in the day, you know, him and Jordy were connecting and Greg Jennings were connect. Shoot, even uh, Jermichael Finley. That was back in the day when they were making a lot of downfield plays and taking risks and, and everything. So hopefully they can get back into that kind of a mentality, uh, especially it is a lot of times in these big playoff games or late in the season when he kind of almost like clams up a little bit and gets, you know, is upset, almost like obsessed with these checkdowns so that he doesn't throw inter- interception. We, we saw in that loss to the Niners, Aaron Jones had nine receptions. He shouldn't be having nine receptions because those are all checkdowns, except outside of that one wheel route. But I don't know. Hopefully that's the change that can happen in Green Bay. We'll just have to see kind of how things shake out, I guess. Speaking of aggression, there's a little bit of aggression after the Badgers beat the crap out of the Michigan Wolverines yesterday. And then, uh, Juan Howard ended up taking a swipe at Joe Krabenhoff, how the whole situation unfolded. The Badgers were up by 15 points with roughly 22 seconds left on the clock. Wisconsin had most of their bench players in the game at this point. Michigan had a couple starters in, and Badgers were inbounding the ball after Michigan had made a basket, and Juwan Howard still pressing down 15 with 22 seconds left. Like full-court press. Full-court press. And Badgers' second string wasn't really able to get the ball across. They were struggling, and 10 seconds was going to run out. And so Greg Gard ended up calling a timeout to <laughs> so that they didn't turn the ball over. Coming out of the timeout, Michigan was still doing a full-court press. After the game, the two coaches had a little bit of an exchange during the handshake line. Greg Gard essentially grabbed Juwan Howard to explain himself and why he was doing that. Juwan Howard didn't want anything of it, wasn't even going to shake Greg Gard's hand. And then the two kind of got into it, and later Juwan Howard kind of just had a open, I don't know if it was open slap or open hand that ended up hitting Joe Krabenhoft and essentially... Uh, got the two benches going at it, and just actually had breaking news come out right now. Juwan Howard has been suspended for the rest of the regular season. Wow. He'll miss the final five games of Michigan's schedule. So that was the – it isn't official. I think I just saw an ESPN alert on it. 247 was reporting that on my Twitter feed. So I believe it is official now with ESPN tweeting that out. Uh, So five-game suspension there. I thought it was. Do you know anything? If anything happened with uh, with guard, Krabenhoff, I haven't seen anything yet. Krabenhoff didn't that, make so any physical I'll contact, keep an eye. so that would be a surprise if Krabenhoff, unless unless something came out where Krabenhoff like said something well, nasty to John Howard. <laughs> Joe Krabenhoff had probably the highlight of the whole thing afterwards when Michigan was walking back to the locker room and started doing the DX suck it and. <laughs> I saw that clip. I didn't know that was Krabenhoff. Yeah, that's hilarious. So. Yeah, so that uh, that was amazing. probably the highlight of the whole thing and hilarious. But I'll just kind of throw my take, then I'll throw it over to you, Gel. And I didn't see any issue with Greg Gard calling a timeout there. If you're doing a full court press with 15 seconds left in the game, down by 15 points, I mean, what else? <laughs> what are you supposed to do? You're not going to – Badgers don't want to turn the ball over. They're just playing as Michigan's playing. Michigan's playing out the whole game, giving it 110%, and – that's what Wisconsin was trying to do too. I mean, most teams when you're down by 15 points with 20 seconds left are not pressing. They're pretty much just sitting down on the in the backcourt just waiting for the time and, to and run dribble, out. And dribble yeah. the ball out. I mean, Wisconsin didn't have their starters in. It was all guys that don't usually get to see the court very much or excited Multiple to be out there. Multiple walk were on the court too. Yeah, so I just – I think it's stupid. And then my favorite part of it too was Juwan Howard – doubled down on it during his press conference and was still pissed off about it and didn't accept any responsibility for his actions or anything and is still calling out Wisconsin for it. And I just, I don't know. I saw one of the memes I saw that was absolutely hilarious was <laughs> it says that Juwan Howard still has issues with late timeouts. And it's a picture of Chris Weber during the Fab Five days <laughs> calling a timeout late in the game when they didn't have one. So it, uh, I thought that was uh, pretty clever by whoever came up with that one. But no, I, it was Bush League. And that, 
I don't know. Well, He's... well look, and, and, and this isn't the first time that Juwan Howard's been in trouble with another coach, because mm-hmm. it, it was either last year or two years ago. I think it was he last and, year. It was last year. Him and Maryland coach Mark Turgeon got into, I mean, it wasn't a physical altercation like this, uh, but, you know, they were going, like, he was going back and forth, like, almost trying to pick a verbal fight with Mark Turgeon uh, during during a timeout. My only thing, too, is, like, if, or exactly like you said, dude, if you're going to be pressing and you and you are expecting your team to go 100%, what do you think that the Badgers should be doing? They're not, tr- like, they're not trying to turn the ball over. So if you're going to play, if you're going to go 100%, play ball hard, why shouldn't the other team? That's, that's the, the, the that's, that's the silly part here is you, you just thought, okay, well, we'll just stop them and get a 10 second call and they're just going to give up the possession. Like, no, and it, uh, as far as I know this, what, there wasn't any sort of like history or it wasn't supposed to be anything hostile from at least the Badger side up until, you know, uh, up until this incident. And I don't know, maybe, I don't know if he can't handle losing well or, or something like that, but, and I don't, I don't, I don't think Juwan Howard should lose his job or anything. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be over here no, saying, you know, pull, you know, pull a $5 million paycheck from this guy a year. I, that's, that's not my, that's not my call. I'm not about that, but I wasn't sure what the discipline was going to be. Through the end of the regular season, though, does seem pretty appropriate, I think. I Are you good with that? Yeah, I'm fine with that. I mean, that's five games. That's huge games down the stretch here. I'm trying to... And they're, and they're not... It's not like they're sitting there with a tournament, a NCAA tournament spot locked in, so this matters. Oh, these yeah. Are, these are some huge games for Michigan. I mean, they're, yeah. they're just barely floating over 500. I think they're 14 and 11 on the season now. 14 and 11, 8 and 7 inside the Big Ten. So, yeah, they're pretty much maybe a little bit into... They're not on the bubble, but not by much. So Certainly this, not a lock, though, right now that they're uh, in. I believe I believe Lenardi had them as a 10 seed mm-hmm. before this game, a projected yep. 10 seed. So it'll be interesting and, and see if, you know, it kind of see how this shakes out. Did you have any – I know Juwan Howard after the game did say that, like, look, I had a coach put their hands on me. And I took it, and I took issue with that. Personally, for me, I don't think Greg Gard should have gra- should have grabbed his arm like that. But it wasn't. To, but I also didn't see that as being like an aggressive move from Gard. I think he was just saying he was just grabbing him, and saying like, "Look, let me let me talk through. Let me let me tell you why I called that timeout. I've got like that's that's what he said in the post game." But it didn't seem aggressive, and then right away you saw from Howard after you know guard puts his his left hand on Juwan Howard's right arm. Right away, Howard went and like grabbed guards, uh, grabbed guards shirt like up in his chest, up in guards chest, and then he started you know wagging his finger in his face and all that. It's like you know you could say it, you could if you want to say that Greg guard. You know, if you're Juwan Howard, you want to say that Greg Gard started the altercation by grabbing your arm. Well, <clears throat> that's not an excuse to then go and grab somebody. Because, like, if you grab somebody, somebody's shirt at their chest, like right by their collar, you do that at a bar, you're asking for a fight. Oh, you're yeah. <laughs> asking to get, like, for shit to get real fat, like, real physical, real fast. And... So ultimately, maybe guard start. You know, if you want to say Greg guard started it, and I don't think he should have. He should have grabbed his arm. That's not a big deal to me. That shit happens all the time. Post game, you know, two coaches talking together. You know, people. If there's an issue like that, but the escalation obviously was a Juwan Howard going and grabbing the grabbing guard by his, you know, basically his collar. And, and then obviously, you know, that's, that's when shit started to get a little bit more heated. And if it's a, if it's a little verbal scuffle, after, you know, after the game, whatever, that shit happens all the time too, especially in conference games late in the season, every game matters. But you then, then you as the head coach, 
are going to throw hands at another, at your opponent's coach. Like, the, the players weren't really getting physical up until that. Then you saw, then we started seeing hands being thrown by the players. Because if your coach is throwing hands, why can't I do that as a player, given that my leader is doing this? And that's, you know, and we saw we saw two Michigan players. I believe one connected, like, pretty hard on one of the Badger players. Uh, I don't know if I saw any. I'm sure some of the Badger players did throw throw some, you know, Swing, swing some arms. I'm, I'm not going to be naive enough to say that that didn't happen. But, uh, but point being, you're a leader of, you're a leader of men. You're in your, you're 50 years old. You're trying to guide a bunch of 18, 19, 20 year olds to, you know, handle the situation right. And then you, then you throw a, you throw a punch, or if you want to call it a punch, whatever it was, <laughs> open hand hit, I guess. <laughs> but if you're gonna do that, then. You know, it's it's a very, very poor leadership skills. This isn't his first time. I was kind of, I'm kind of surprised that you said through the end of the regular season. I thought maybe it'd be two, three games and he'd be able to come back. But I and I, I wouldn't be surprised if guard gets a game just for, you know, for grabbing his arm and, and kind of being a not. And I guess, you know, if you want to call him an instigator in that situation, whatever, I'm not going to. You know, it's not going to bother me, but certainly he was not an escalator here. That was obviously Juwan Howard. So I think that the, I think through the end of the regular season is fair. We'll see how that shakes out too for his future job status because they're underachieved. They've had they had good years up until this season, but they've severely underachieved this year and now and now this. So we'll have to see kind of what this means for for Howard's future with with Michigan. Yeah, and the rest of the five games this season are all against teams with better records than Michigan. Home against Rutgers, home against Illinois. And Rutgers has been on an absolute tear. Illinois is probably playing the best basketball in the Big Ten right now. Yeah, home against Michigan State, rival obviously Tom Izzo there. Home against Iowa, and then on the road at Ohio State, who's also ranked. So, Jeez, I mean, they've got an absolutely brutal. <laughs> atrocious stretch coming up. And like you said, they're not guaranteed anything right now with the NCAA tournament. So, obviously, they get a couple wins there. That's going to cement them more. But still, it's going to be tough, and we'll see kind of where that shakes out. Moving into the Genesis Open Gel, this was quite the tournament and saw some record setting. Uh, Joachim Neiman was the one that ended up winning the tournament, minus 19, two-shot lead and two-shot win over Colin Morikawa. Wasn't as close on, up until Morikawa had quite the stretch on that back nine on Sunday to close the gap, but just was down too much. Neiman had the tournament record the first two rounds for low score to par, and just lights out, wire-to-wire -wire winner, which is very rare to see in the PGA. Usually you've got a guy that'll lead the first two days, and then once you get to that weekend round, kind of falls apart, or else somebody else just shoots lights out on Saturday and takes over that lead, but ended up wire-to-wire -wire in this one, and it's quite the tournament. Uh, DJ didn't make the cut. Justin Thomas had a nice showing. Adam Scott got up there towards the top on the leaderboard as well. Kind of have a bone to pick about Adam Scott uh, gel and does his sponsorship require him to wear like skin tone colored shirts all the time and just like the worst <laughs> colors ever like he's always wearing these like light like beige brown like skin tone or else that like mustard yellow that's just like <laughs> disgusting and I don't know. It just it just bothers me to watch him sometimes. He, he well, might he's a great be, golfer, but oh. he might just be a goofy cat in general. I mean, you see his putting, uh, the way he puts too. The the two hands, you know, about about yep. what ten twelve inches away, you know, from each other. I actually kind of want to try it because I can't putt for shit. So I kind of want to try it and see. You know, it's like <laughs> sweeping a broom almost. Uh, <laughs> But I kind of want to try. It. I have not. I guess I've never noticed that with Adam Scott and his uh, his apparel. But now that you bring it up, you're totally right. Oh yeah, it's just like you can't find like a more hip color shirt or something. Like I just I don't know. It's it's just funny. But <laughs> that's my only bone to pick with Adam Scott. <laughs> no, it, but it was it was kind of cool to see him at the top. I mean, it'd been a while, and he was up at the top. You know, the top five going in. You know, post cut. By the way, Patrick Cantley, thanks for sh just 
shitting yourself. Frickin' barely made the cut, but God. Of course, that was my pick for this. Uh, we'll get into that in a little bit here. But <laughs> yeah. uh, top five going, you know, after, you know, through Saturday. Again, like you said, DJ missed it. Your top five was Neiman, Sam Young, who... I don't know how he was ended up in contention. I texted you this over the group text. Uh, every time I felt like every time I looked up, it was him shanking a ball like into the crowd or something crazy. But <laughs> right? he, great he, did, he did have a nice eagle, uh, kind of late. I, I believe it was. It would have been on the back nine on Sunday, and that kind of that helped him get, you know, kind of slow down that, you know, that that fall off a cliff that kind of looked like he was gonna have <laughs> on on Sunday. Uh, and then yeah, Justin Thomas. Jordan Spieth was actually in the top five after after Saturday or after Friday, and then and then yeah Adam Scott. So um, it was it was I did really like seeing Morikawa though make that comeback uh, late on Sunday. He's one of my favorite players to watch on the tour, if not if not my favorite. You know, just just a young guy got some nice you know got youthful energy, and it's always good to see it's always good to see some young guys in there because. You know, rather than just your, you know, typical guys that you see on, you know, that you've grown to know over the last decade. Morikawa kind of came out of the scene a year and a half, two years ago, and, like, really broke onto the scene. And he's maintaining that, and I just love seeing it. So, I was pumped to see him. I was pretty pumped to see him climbing into contention pretty quickly uh, on Sunday. Made a, made a real nice run. Yeah, well, it's always exciting, too, when somebody makes that run on Sunday and you're watching, like, oh, are they going to be able to catch the leader? Because, I mean, Neiman, there was no pressure on him for most of the weekend. I mean, he, like you said, Sam Young was up there for a while, and then he kind of slowly tapered off. And then it was kind of like Neiman was just in cruise control and wasn't taking a ton of chances yesterday on a lot of his shots because he didn't need to. He didn't need to. He had such a huge lead. So it's never fun to watch some of those tournaments and somebody's just coasting. You want to see four, five, six, ten guys in contention on Sunday where everybody is taking risks and trying to birdie Eagle. And, yeah, so it was nice to see Morikawa make that run, make the tournament a little bit more interesting. And I think we were talking about that in that group text, too, that if, man, if they only had a couple more holes, I think he might have uh, might have caught Neiman. Or but, if, uh, if, if he would have gotten <laughs> that, if he would have sunk that birdie putt on 18 to finish yeah. off 70, the, you know, the, the full 72 tournament, 72 hole tournament that would have put some pretty good pressure on Neiman there. Cause he would have had to, you know, he would, he's 23 years old. He's still a young dude. And that would have been, you know, his first real big pressure moment to make sure, okay, I just have to par this. But if I shank something, which he hadn't done all weekend, but you know, let's say he shanks a shot. Now his heart's beating real fast oh yeah to avoid that playoff but knowing knowing that he'd have to double bogey to end up in a playoff it feel like it kind of you know that has to relax you especially as a young guy no and speaking of our picks gel you had mentioned patrick cantley did not have the week that you had hoped but uh francisco molinari did also not have the week that i had hoped for <laughs> you ended up gaining three shots on me so you do carry a five shot lead heading <laughs> into the florida swing so Got quite a few fun tournaments in Florida coming up. Got the Honda Classic this week. Got the Bear Trap that we'll be talking about later in the week. Holes that usually are some of the most balls in the water for one event through a whole season. So it's always uh, exciting down the stretch there. Have Arnold Palmer coming up. TPC Sawgrass Players Championship. So quite a few fun tournaments that will be happening in late February, early March. Can't wait! One other point that I wanted to bring up here, we can dive into a little bit. Seems like we've been talking about this more and more lately. More golfers have come out and said one way or the other on that Super Golf League. DJ essentially came out this weekend and said that it's about time I say how I'm feeling about this and I'm fully committed to the PGA Tour. So top eight golfers along with Brooks Kepka, Jordan Spieth have all said that they're staying on the PGA Tour. They don't have any interest in going and playing in this super golf league. The only one that has really had some strong words about it is Phil Mickelson. And Phil essentially, it's kind of hard to gauge what his thoughts actually are on it because I believe, I don't know if you have that quote you had sent me I've right got in, it front in front of, of me, you, yeah. Joe. But 
Oh, okay. Why don't you read the quote off and then I'll dive into what I wanted to kind of discuss. I was more interested in that last part of it, but go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's you know, he's... I'm, I'll just read the quote and then we'll dive into it. Uh, so Phil on a, you know, this was through a phone interview, said, uh, Phil reportedly said, they're scary motherfuckers to get involved with. We know that they killed uh, Jamal Khashoggi, who's that Washington Post reporter that uh, that ended up very well documented report. Uh, but we know they killed Khashoggi and have a horrible record on human rights. They execute people over there for being gay. Knowing all of this, why would I even consider it? Because this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to reshape how the PGA Tour operates. So for me, going, you know, for me, it seems more than anything like Phil's trying to use this as almost like a bargaining negotiation tour or tool than than anything and i don't know i don't know how you want to expand on that yeah that's exactly what i see i think he's trying to use the sgl as leverage to get more money coming into the players in the pga he's been very vocal lately about how the pga has all of the players rights for any sort of he was talking about like even like his celebration at the Masters when he jumps up. The PGA owns the rights to that, so he can't even go ahead and make any money off of that. So he's trying to get Are you talking it to about where the, the clip, that clip itself, that clip, or just like him. I don't even think he can use like like a shadow own... silhouette or anything like that. Like the PGA owns yeah, like all the rights of everything with this. So he's trying to get more player rights. I don't know if they're he's trying to get in more of like the nft game or like any type of that stuff but i don't well i'm sure we'll be talking about this more and more because the sgl like we had talked about steamrolling to start up towards the middle to back half of this year so it should start progressing a little bit more we'll probably be talking about it quite a bit coming up but yeah i i think this is all leverage right now and Especially right now, we've got on record the top eight golfers in the world saying that they have no interest in it and are staying with the PGA Tour. Kind of takes a hit for the SGL. I think the SGL is trying to lure away some of these top golfers to get people to tune in. But yeah, so I mean, if you don't have any of the top golfers there, I don't know why people would necessarily be tuning into it. So the other part that's weird for me, I mean, yes, you've obviously got a massive following in you know in England with when it comes to PGA golf and and that you know obviously the British Open and everything uh held over there a number of tournaments out in Ireland etc but the majority of your you know the people that watch the PGA there's a reason that almost every tournament is held in the US this is the majority of you know the PGA following this is and there's a reason that all your top players come play in the PGA in the US so what are you going to do if you're holding a, you know, in uh, you're holding these events in it's going to be the middle of the night here in the U S and it's who's interested in really in watching tape delay tournaments. That's what you'd have to do. That's the only way you could really, anybody could really watch it. So you're, you're hurting yourself. You're hurting your brand. I think going over there, if you really want to try to grow it, who's going to, are you interested in any sort of tape delay thing now? I don't know. I mean, no, even, maybe you see, ahead. you're just going to, you're going to probably see the, you know, after, let's say they do a Thursday through Sunday, similar to the PGA, maybe take a look at the standings. If there's a bunch of top guys out there and that's it, that's, that's my, that's going to be my interest level. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to really be too interested in watching tape delay on, you know, the, which the golf network, by the way, they're not going to be showing any of this. At least I wouldn't think so. So where could you even watch it? Yeah. It'd be interesting, especially like you had said, I mean, I mean, night golf, glowing glowing the dark golf balls. (laughs) If it was 15 to 20 years ago, you'd probably have more people tuning in because you didn't have the technology to well, you were more along. used to having i mean the nba used to run their finals on tape delay yeah but now you can literally look and watch golfers shot to shot on the pga app so you'd know exactly what's going on you can look and just get a quick recap if you wanted to yeah if maybe two of the top golfers in it went into a playoff or something or it was really exciting down the stretch yeah you might tune into the t- tape delay but otherwise no i'm not 
I'm not spending my time watching something that I already know the result of. It's hard. That's really hard to do. That's like why. That's I, why newspapers are dead. Nobody wants. There's no such thing as waiting overnight to read a baseball box score. You're. It's. It's now. You know. Now you just look up on your phone and you know immediately. That's the whole thing. That's and that's why this doesn't make any sense to me from their perspective as well. Yeah. Well, that's like now if I have an event that I want to watch, like if on Sunday I have the Bears game taped or something because I'm out doing errands and want to come back and watch it, I have to literally shut my phone off and go out of my way to avoid seeing any sort of update. So, yeah, it'd just be impossible to not know the update if it was on any sort of delay. But It's good to see, though. It's good to see some, you know, most of these golfers, now like you said, the top eight are all saying, no, I'm committed to the PGA. Phil seems to be the most... I mean, he's clearly going out and saying he's still interested in it, but it's kind of weird how he, f- like, phrased that quote. Like, he's like, yeah, mm-hmm. these people are, like, scary motherfuckers to deal with and getting into the human rights piece of it. Then he's still, and then he follows that up with, but I'm still willing to consider it for money. And it's not, dude, that dude's made, like, $850 million in his career. Uh, or maybe that's that's probably including endorsements. Uh, but he's not, I don't think he's strapped for cash, man. (laughs) (laughs) No, (laughs) not at all. All right. That will wrap up this episode. We'll be back with you tomorrow to dive into some other news. Going to have a little baseball action, some college football, maybe a little NBA. Never know where we're going to go, but we can be found at dead arm sports, Twitter, Instagram, check us out on Facebook, dead arm sports, Joe can be found at Das Gel. I can be found at Das JPEG. Send us in any questions, comments, concerns you have about the show. More than happy to reply right back, or else we'll answer them on our next podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your favorite listening platform. Send us in a screenshot of that review. Get you some sticker swag sent out in the mail. What are those platforms they can find us on, Jill? Hit us up on the presenting sponsor, Anchor, both an app and on a and on the web browser, anchor.fm on the web. Just search Anchor on the Apple App Store or Google Play for the app. Great listening tools. If you're a podcaster yourself, a lot of sweet recording tools, great editing tools as well. And they allow us to present this out for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Google Pods. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review to Whatever your chosen listening platform is, take a screenshot of that written review, send it to us at Dead Arm Sports on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook into the DMs, and uh, we will hook you up with some DAS sticker action. Again, appreciate everybody out there listening to the podcast. Tell a friend or family member about the podcast. Great way for us to spread this, get you even more content than we're already pushing out. Again, we'll be back with you tomorrow. Hope you enjoyed today's show. And Jell, close us out. That's all for me, Queen Bee.